Hi everyone, it's me, Joel, a playwright and performer. And it's me, Kishan, a science educator. And welcome to Nightcap at Nine with T42, the, the festival podcast that nobody asked for. Really not a single person asked for this. Yeah. And yet, we are three episodes in. The only asking that's done on this show is why are we doing it? <laughs> Who are we? Who are we? How are they qualified? Why are people listening? People are asking a lot lah, just not the right questions. Ah, correct. (laughs) Correct. How how has this money been spent? (laughs) Is the question they should be asking. Well, it's spent on alcohol. Mm. Um, Do you have a a drink in hand, dear listener? Yeah. Okay, unfortunately, the glasses we are drinking today... Aren't very clinky, so you can't quite hear. But you're just going to take it on good faith that we are. We cheers, we cheers. We cheers, we cheers. Oh yeah, Yeah, okay, no. (laughs) That was, you know why not? Because you know why our budget, no budget already. Yeah, no budget. Yeah, like okay, we're we drinking na- our paper cups. Yeah, we are drinking <laughs> our like red silo cups. All right. right. <laughs> we are talking to you this evening, um, ostensibly at nine p.m. Definitely from um the stone bench at downtown east in Basuris. Mm. No more fancy no verandas more. for us. Why, yeah. Akishan? Oh uh, yeah, you know why? Because just like any poor. Poorly planned show, right? We've used up all our budget. Yeah, we used up all our budget on Sentosa Core. Correct. Then we look at what uh, was left, then we go like, Alamak. Uh, downtown East. The only thing we can afford is Downtown East. Downtown East. Someone near my place. Uh, so. That one also after we ask for discounts. <laughs> <laughs> I trust that wherever you are, dear listener, is better than Downtown East and that yeah. you are relaxed and ready to hear us reflect on yet another busy week of festival watching. Mm, mm, mm. This is, in fact, the final week of the festival, isn't it, Kishin? Yeah, and yeah. also our very last. Uh, nightcap at night. Oh no, yeah. And if you have, for some reason, enjoyed listening to us the yeah. past three weeks, inexplicably, right, you know we are we we make a regular podcast at T for Two on Spotify and Apple, wherever you get your podcast. That's and we right. are available every Sunday for more of these shenanigans. The fun doesn't end here. The fun <laughs> doesn't end here. But how can it end if it doesn't begin, Kishan? Oh, <laughs> Shall we get a profound question? Yeah, such a profound question. <laughs> Shall we get a start on our roundup of this week's um, festival watching? Let's. Mm, cheers. Cheers. So we started the week with a little experience called As Far As Isolation Goes. That's I say we, right. but really it was only Kishin because like I was meant to um, participate, but then like I had a family emergency at the time. So unfortunately I could not. But um, Don't I worry, hear I from, got your back. Sis. I hear from both Kishin and like everybody else who's done it that it's a really like interesting and powerful experience. So yeah. what what was actually what was it, Kishin? Yeah, so it was actually a really short thing. It was a 15-minute uh, one-on-one experience over Zoom call. So it was actually via Zoom, via right? Via Zoom, yeah. Mm. 15 minutes with the artist uh, called Basil. And so I zoomed in uh, with him. Uh, actually quite nervous lah, because it's literally just you and the artist. Eh. Isn't it always nervous to meet someone new via Zoom it, though? Yeah. It, it was really frightening. I mm. actually panicked over what background I wanted to use because like, oh my god, oh so my what god. what do you end up using? Just like a blank wall because I just like, blank is better than anything. Right. It's like simple, simple black I, dress. I suspect given what <laughs> I know about the show that such concerns melt away quite quickly. No. <laughs> they, yeah. re- they really did yeah. So when I zoomed in We got straight into it He got us to prepare Like a whole bunch Of different things Like a paintbrush uh, A small little cup of water um, Marker pens And stuff like that And then a napkin mm. And then he Over that 15 minutes He instructed us With what to do Over the 15 minutes He instructed us With what to do Basically it started off By saying Draw on your hand uh, This uh, uh, A box With a person inside And then You know Draw on your hand This thing And that thing And basically What he was trying to get us to do Was to draw uh, what I thought was a movement of people from one place to another. Right. Because this whole experience was for us to understand a little bit 
about the migrant experience. And like, just clue, clue us in a little bit here. So the artist himself yeah. is a refugee from... Palestine, he's a Palestinian refugee, Syrian-born. Mm. Uh, and he's now living in London. He's not, mm. uh, no, not London, actually. He's now living in Birmingham, somewhere mm. in the UK, I believe. I can't, I can't really remember. Yeah, but I mean, nowhere else in London matters. Yeah. <laughs> what is terrible. Yeah. But yeah, so, so it, he really wanted to let everyone else feel that... that that migrant, that refugee experience and having us draw, I think you were asking me just now like what was the significance of him having you draw on your hand mm, or your uh, arm. Uh, on your arm. Yeah. On your arm, yes, rather. So I, I think it was the idea of imprinting that movement. Yeah. yeah and it, uh, it was a very short experience, I have to say. It was literally not even 15 minutes. No, it was just 10 minutes and throughout the 10 minutes as he's, exp- uh, as he's telling you what to draw, he also uh, show, uh, puts up Two performances, like he he just like shared screen lah because it's Zoom, right? Mm. Shared screen of two performances of two of his friends who are also uh, refugees living in the UK, and they were doing some spoken word about mm. their whole experiences of the the migrant experience, the refugee experience, and what it feels to still feel like a stranger in the UK. And in that ten minutes, I was deeply moved. Right, I was so moved, and like I was telling you just now, the the main feeling I got was such anger. Right, that that this is what. This, we are, this level of injustice yeah, exists in the world. still exists, mm. you know. And things like that, things like the the things that's happening in Gaza, the 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 the, hor- the horrid of like the, the, the whole like refugee experience, like, it seems very academic and so far removed that sometimes when I yeah, yeah that when you're faced with the artist who is an actual refugee that suddenly makes a little bit more sense and gives you a little bit more access. It sounds really powerful to, even via Zoom, to ha- encounter someone who's sitting with that kind of history. Exactly. And sitting with that kind of, like, um, you know, that kind of lived trauma, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I really get what you're saying about how, for us in this part of the world, right, we, our access to this is primarily through very privileged intellectual conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all very academic. Yeah, and um, it made me think a lot about this podcast that I was listening to the other day, right? Um, The Cut. And the most recent episode is called The Other Side of Optimism. Mm. Um, and the host uh, goes on this very extensive interview with uh, a, a political activist in Palestine who, you know, was jailed as a kid and then now kind of um, does this very radical form of activism where he tries to build bridges between um, Israelis and Palestinians. And and, oh, and, wow. and he talks a lot about how, um, a lot of the flack that he gets. He gets this a lot of criticism for being too optimistic or for, for bending over backwards to meet his oppressors, right? Mm. And then like something he said during the podcast I found very moving, which was like, I don't have the option of not being optimistic. I I don't have the option of being pessimistic because if we are not, you know, optimistic about this, if we don't have a kind of hope, you know, I, I, he, he says, I, do I, I, I simply don't have that option. Like that kind of pessimism, uh, that kind of um, hopelessness seems to be, you know, the, the, the reserve of very privileged intellectual conversation. Oh, that's so, so interesting yeah. that you said that because towards the end of this this 15-minute experience that I had with Basil, mm. he actually asked like, oh, what do you feel? Do you have any questions for me? And it, I, to be honest, it got a little bit awkward because here yeah, I was feeling all sorts of feels like ang- anger mm. mostly and also a little bit of sadness. Uh, but I did ask him like, this is what I'm feeling now. How do you sit with this anger for your whole life? You must have felt this anger all the way. And he echoed what you just said. He said right. like, I do feel this anger but I have to just find a way around it. So I think it's, it's, there's also this idea of hope. And, and that kind of flows very nicely into the other piece we saw in the week which right. was Garden Speak by Tanya El Khoury uh, from Lebanon. Yep. So the form that this show takes and it's been touring for a couple of years now um, yeah. 
is is pretty morbid. Mm-hmm. It's a mock graveyard, basically, which is meant to evoke um, um, guardi- garden burial sites where yeah. a lot of like um, these Syrian political activists and artists uh, were buried. So they were buried in these makeshift graves in 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 people's gardens, right? Uh, as as a result, of, you know, and they, you know these people lost their lives um, at some point in their resistance against the Syrian government. Mm. And what you you are as a participant, and it's a small group of participants who are invited to participate at yeah, any time. Like 12 you, or 10 You or go in like and have like a kind of one-on-one similar to, you know, as isolation goes, one-on-one experience with one of these... Um, martyrs, I guess. Yeah, they're called martyrs, right? Yeah. And the stories are told through um, an account that's written that stitched together from memories from family and friends. Yeah, interviews from interviews, families and friends. Yeah. And, and it's all pieced together into this like um, monologue, right? Mm. The way you receive it though is true. So there is a gravestone and there is a mound of earth and you're invited at the start of the show to move to look for a specific gravestone so each mm. participant is assigned one um, story to uncover exactly. and you literally uncover this story by <clears throat> moving you know like digging through yeah digging through the earth on all fours on all know. fours and then lying uh, prone on the ground and putting your ear to the ground to listen to this account that's kind of like whispered into your ear. Yeah, it's coming out from the earth. It's so profoundly beautiful and yeah, it was a lot. haunting <laughs> and devastating. Yeah, that, I think that's right. It was very devastating yeah. to, 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 to participate in that. I mean, when and they told it, yeah. us to move forward, to go to the Greystone, to dig through, mm. I remember everybody's feeling then because people are like okay is that what we're gonna do so and i remember there was this hesitance because people are like okay are we gonna step on the grave i don't know how it felt for you because we were doing this in the dark and it was a very personal experience with us in the grave right but the moment that i stepped foot on the earth i actually like was like can i should i do this or not because it felt so it felt profane it felt so like a holy space you know Uh, yeah yeah so profane there there is a there i felt like there was something very holy about the whole experience I, i i took the whole thing very very seriously like you i felt like i was part of a, a ritual that had been created around these lives. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And that I was helping in a way to kind of like... Keep um, their memory. Keep like their memory. A little bit alive yeah. in a way, right? Yeah. So yeah. initially when I read about the show, uh, I was a bit nervous about it. Because oh, yeah? like, I don't know, in the context of Sifa, which by and large is a very consumer art platform, let's put it that way, right? Like where a lot of the shows you're going you're invited to watch these shows from a consumer point of view. You're there to consume something, to take something, mm. right? To experience something, whatever. I was very nervous about something like this and how it would, you know, whether or not the audience would be kind of complicit in an act of consumption of I trauma see. and consumption of, yeah, you know, of these stories, right? And consumption of these lives. And I just like, oh, it made me really, really nervous in the context of a, of a pretty glitzy festival like Sifa. Right. But, the way the work frames itself, right, really kind of like it, it, it's, it's, it puts itself in a very strong position against that kind of, mm-hmm. against that kind of. Yeah, it definitely took center stage. La. So like the way the work frames itself is like what we are doing is um, telling these stories and keeping these stories in circulation as an act of resistance you listening to these stories is a continuation of these lives mm-hmm. and a continuation of like um of of this energy against oppression and violence and and injustice right yeah. so the show i think what i loved about it was that the show doesn't allow you to be a consumer what it does in fact is it enlists you 
right? Yeah, I agree. Then it enlists you into an act of rebellion in a way, and it enlists you into, you know, an act of memorialization. It enlists you into 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 doing something mm. active. Um, yeah, we were active from yeah. start to end, from when we had to dress up properly. Mm. You know, like it, it felt very. Um, yeah, you, there was a ritual behind it, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and it felt necessary. Yeah. Uh, to digging the grave, to listening, it was very respectful and yeah. very somber. And then and towards the end, we were given an opportunity to mm. write to the person that. Uh, the person whose story we were listening to. So mm. we were given pen and paper and I believe that The idea is that like these letters might be shared with their friends exactly. and family, right? I don't know how you felt but, but I was paralysed mm. when I was given the pen and paper and the instructions to like what would you like to say to this person? I was like, what can I say? Right. I don't know if there's anything I can say that's worth saying. Yeah. So I just stood there paralysed for the longest time. Yeah. And then just something flowed in and I just wrote like it was, it was a very... I don't know. It was a difficult space to be in but I... I, and I don't know if I should even say that I enjoyed it, but I I, I enjoyed the experience because right. again, it is the idea of access right. in this big thing that sometimes feels so far, not sometimes, all the time feels so far removed for us right. in Singapore. Yeah, right? I, I push back I against. Enjoyed it. I, I push back against language like enjoying context in the yeah, context of shows exactly. like this because it, like uh, I, I agree. It, for me, this work felt not even like art as much as it did. It did like a kind of way of uh, a form of bearing witness to something, which felt. Which felt very important, right? You know, and it, and it's very different than other forms of theater where you're bearing witness as well mm. to something that's happening on stage, right? But it doesn't feel quite so active, yeah, and doesn't quite feel so. A part of it is purely just to watch, lah, in, yeah. in those other things. But here, like you said, like it was like, like we were important in the continuation of these people's lives a little bit. Yeah, I I thought of it in terms of like a flow of energy, right? Where it's like. You are not yourself when you are participating. You're you're participating in this experience. You are part of a flow of something that has been mm. sent to motion elsewhere. And I like that. Yeah. I I, I I like I like being part of something like that where I feel like actually my position there as audience, as consumer, mm. as participant actually is very very like it's important to the work, but it's actually quite marginal to the overall flow of For the sure. thing. Yeah. yeah. So I felt that was you know, special. And I'm glad that it was brought into C5. And I was Most glad definitely. I was glad that the work protect itself from, you know, these these kind of consumerist manacles of a festival like Sifa, right? Um so yeah, I thought that was really powerful. And I think these I I, I regret not having seen um having participated in as, as far as actually goes, goes because I feel like these two pieces obviously speak very strongly yeah. to each other. Um I think there's a lot of similarities with those two yeah. things. And yeah. Yeah, there's another thing that kind of pops into my mind at this time, right? Which is like surely people will start saying things like, Oh, you know, it's so timely that, you know, just as this these works are going on at the festival, you know, the situation in Gaza is is escalating, right? And there's a slight, slight kind of like pat yourself on the back quality to saying something like that. To you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like sure. oh, you know, like here is where art interfaces with current affairs, right? Mm. And it, that, that, that itself makes me nervous as well. You mm. know, I, I'm very nervous participating in conversations like this with other people because I, I, I'm very wary at any time that there's a slight kind of like self-congratulatory quality to seeing work like this. Do you I know see. What I mean? So like it absolved from like doing anything I don't know further? If, I don't know if absolution, but it, it feels very dutiful and very like pat yourself on the back for having engaged with like the hot issue of the of the oh, moment. Do you I know see. what I mean? And like as a theatre practitioner, I am very like this is something I struggle with a lot in my work, right? That like when you make something that's topical, you make something that speaks to an issue, right? You're actually giving people an opportunity to go in there and not I don't know, not necessarily absolve themselves, but somehow 
feel like they've engaged with something where maybe they haven't. Mm. You know, and even even with these two works, right? Like I I I'm, I I wonder, right? What actually is the the level of engagement? Mm-hmm. And how engaged have I been? Because the reality is, like, I got to go home that night. Exactly. And <laughs> sleep in my own bed. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like with art that deals with subjects of this nature, it's just, like, it's it's just very thorny. I feel like it only just makes me realize how actually alienated from the situation I am. And no matter how thoroughly and spiritually I try and engage with something, I'm always at a very privileged remove from mm-hmm. it, right? And I guess that's all I can say. Like, I'm grateful for these for the experience, yeah. but I'm also um, wary of my participation in it. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and as we're speaking, we've just come back, haven't we, from... Um, yes. Oiwa, the ghost of Yotsuya by the Finger Players. Mm. Our final, uh, our uh, final, final watch. Our final Sifa watch of the season. Mm. Also, a Singapore production by the Finger Players, but with Japanese collaborators. Yeah. Um, and wow, what an experience. Yeah, uh, I have a lot to say, but Joe, why don't you start us off? Uh, start us off. You you had something particularly interesting <laughs> that you talked about at the very start. Yeah, like, don't hate me, but. One of my favorite things about tonight was the fact that when in the pre-show, like there was this beautiful red velvet curtain yes. drawn across the stage, yes. and I was just like, "Wow, I can't remember the last time <laughs> I went to Singapore theatre and saw a red curtain, girl." Instead of like, <laughs> you know, like that scream that they put down, then they project the name of the show. In on case it. you forget, yeah, in la. case you forget, like, what hey, show hey, is I'm that? Are we in the correct theatre? <laughs> it's like. Yeah, don't need. It's like sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they only let us eat with the ticket to the right show. It was very beautiful. It's very rare nowadays yeah. that you see these velvety red, yeah, like curtains yeah, yeah, yeah. used, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was an enjoyable start. <laughs> yes. Very enjoyable start. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to yeah. the to the production itself, I actually at the end of it, right? I remember telling you I was like, I loved it. Right. I really really enjoyed it because this is the first time I've seen. Uh, I forget what the. Uh, pu- puppetry craft is called what is it called oh bunraku yeah this is the first time I've seen right, that right. okay let's set some context for our dear listeners right because okay. not everybody was fortunate enough to see the show yeah you go know, for it cancellations and everything oh, yeah, right? yeah. So, so if you you know like maybe you can try and live vicariously through the two of us right <laughs> so it's basically okay it is a Japanese play so yeah. uh, Chong Si Qian wrote the play and he directed it as well but it's That's based right. on this like super ancient creepy like uh, Japanese ghost story literally that uh, yeah which is apparently based on like historical figures yeah there's apparently a shrine of this ghost <laughs> yeah. her name is Oiwa ah, Lady Oiwa, Oiwa in case you're wondering Oiwa is the name of the vengeful ghost in question correct there's a shrine right. of her in like um, in Tokyo yeah yeah. so it's based off of that and what's the TLDR for the plot it's basically a, re- a vengeful ghost ah. that's haunting her uh, the person who murdered her I think you have husband. to be far more specific because this sounds like every other like mon- like melancholy Asian ghost I mean correct uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, as, as we as we were discussing before the show, right? It's like, how much do you want to bet that there's going to be some Pontianak action on stage? Yeah. Really got. Yeah, like, the ghost really looks very Pontianak. Really got a dash yeah. of Pontianak. Yeah, yeah. Like, she also looks. She also has shades of Sadako. Cannot run like. There's some Juan in there as a well. Bit, a bit. It's Actually, the shutter, the shutter ghost. Oh, she girl. looks a bit like the shutter ghost. So <laughs> yeah, go, go, go. it's a long hair yeah. and the drapey white. So you, you get know? where we're going with yeah. this, like, It's basically a Japanese ghost, ghost story set in like Edo. 
Japan, Japan times, yeah. you and know? you know, with gorgeous period costumes. Oh my god, yeah. beautiful! And a kind of like kabuki esque sensibility mm. in the design and the and the performance style. Um, the 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 idea for the story really is horrible man, this really bad man who is really greedy and ambitious and whatever, like kind of Macbeth like in that regard, right? Plays the fuck out of this poor woman called Oiwa and her mm. entire family. Yeah, you who tell are that. sitting apparent who are apparently sitting on like this mound of gold. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. they found. Yeah, yeah. So which the father so found. So the whole place takes place in this kind of like small, like Japanese village, village right? Right? which yeah. is organized in a feudal way around this like one family who has controls all the money and yeah. everything, right? And then they're, they're being generous to all yeah, the villagers. Yeah, yeah. They give out like yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, throughout and then the year. this and this this man, this evil man. He's not that evil. He's just kind of like a Macbeth, this Macbeth like man, mm. right? Basically, is an interloper and worms his way into this family and mm. then slowly destroys it like a worm from the inside out. Quite, quite, yeah. quite like a worm. Yeah. And then finally, it comes to destroy him. Yeah. Yeah. It, exactly that lah. Yeah. Kill everybody. Then everybody who's dead come to haunt him lah. Specifically, yeah. the wife, yeah, like, yeah. Hence, hence the vengeful female Correct. character. Mm. So that's the theology. That's the story. literally that. Yeah. What do you feel about the showcase? I really, really liked it. Right. So at the, at the end of it, I like I said, I told, I, I turned to you and I went like, oh my god, I like, I like, I really enjoyed this because it's the first time. I've seen uh, Bunraku. Right. Uh, so th- there's a production element, um, design design element where Bunraku is a form of a j- Japanese. Um, puppet theatre, right? Yeah. Where like figures in black kind of manipulate these yeah. life-size dolls. Yeah, I was very taken yeah. by the but craft. But in 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 this show, they it's it's kind of like they they hearken to Bunraku, but actually the puppets are are human. Yeah. The, the actors are playing puppets. Yeah, right? they're playing and they puppets are, and then they're manipulated, they're also by, manipulated other by these like kind of like um black figures. Exactly. You know? So they are they're they're hearkening to Bunraku, but actually it's a strange hybrid form. Yeah. Yeah. No, regardless, I was just I was just looking at the, the whole form of it and I the tech the, it, for me like it mm. seemed like the, the, the technical nature of it seems so like sharp and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and steep. Like you really need to immerse yourself to learn it this. Was, it was technically really excellent. Yeah, wasn't so it? I yeah. was I was I was looking at it going from, from start to end I was just very taken in right. by by the amount of work that was put into it. And when something you know, you put in so much work into something and you can see it. it's very difficult not to be a little bit in awe of the production. Right, right. Yeah. it's virtuosic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, virtuosic. Yeah. And exactly. like the design was very beautiful as well. I mean, the design was just The set was stunning. so beautiful. Yeah. The lighting, the sound. The sound design. Can we just talk about the sound? Yeah. Good wow. God. It was so immersive and like edgy. So like, you know, there were all these kind of like traditional Japanese elements in it, but then there was also like a, a like, kind of like a nice electronic texture mm-hmm. that felt really jarring. Like I want the soundtrack. Yeah, I want the soundtrack <laughs> so I can dance to it <laughs> yeah, at home. Correct. Right? It sounds nice. Yeah, and just like, as I dance to it, just Then the, the ghost come out. Ah, the ghost come out then my mouth. dance to you so. <laughs> Please, I don't want to. Gross. <laughs> How did you feel about it, Joe? Uh, I enjoy all those things that you mentioned as well. I, I thought the scale of it was like quite operatic in a way. And like it's been a while since I've seen big theatre, you know? Mm. So like that, that the spectacle I enjoyed very much. And there were some scenes and images that will stay with me for a while. Like there was a scene where like um Oiwa, while she's still alive, um, is impregnated by the by the Macbeth like character, right? And they have then sex, like la. Yeah, they have sex right there, but then like they actually literalize the moment of insemination Girl. with like puppets, sperm cells that fly at her from all corners of the stage. Yeah. And then enter her. Correct. Like, all I was thinking about when I saw that was that, is there sperm? And then my second question was, can I have one for class? Ah, <laughs> that'll be very useful for you, huh? Can teach science, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of, like, a few years back, right, on the MRT. Uh, I don't know which government agency is responsible for trying to pressurize women to get pregnant. Oh but, like, there was literally entire train 
cabins that were lined with this with these cartoon sperm. Yeah. To try and then and the message was like your biological clock is ticking. Yeah. You know. It was offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help but wonder if Zichen was thinking of this when he made that. Oh, you think? Because like it's like I actually think that the train imagery is more horrific than what we saw on stage today. Oh my god, really? Yeah, because like those advertisements were no, terrible. No, because today what we saw was a ghost horror play, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I can accept. But on the train, excuse me, this kind of like banality, we don't need this kind yeah. of like imagery <laughs> one. Yeah, especially when you're on the way excuse? Ho- back from work to home. Correct, don't like, need it. It's like, don't, don't put sperm in my it's face. Like, poor Oiwa <laughs> has literally just consummated her marriage with her husband, right? Yeah. It's like Susan from finance, right? It's <laughs> not looking to have sperm in her face. She just wants to go home, eat her whole fun, exactly. watch Netflix, and sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess I guess this does kind of touch on like a uh, an element of the show that I found quite interesting, which is like the the, the plight of women mm. in in these kinds of like societies, right? Um, yeah, I just kept turning to you and going like, "What she read Tiala? No, she <laughs> she really meant Tiala. Yeah, no place. Yeah, very Tiala. The the idea for the whole show is. Oiwa is very jala. Very like, jala. Anything she, bad that could happen to her, yeah, happen to she's her. She's so trusting, right? And then she gets slowly turned into this like, like monstrous demon from the inside out because of all these horrible things that like the man does to her. Yeah, you know? actually, like any sort of ghost story with a vengeful female, and many many Asian ghost stories have vengeful yeah. female. It's always it's always that like it's always the man's doing something, yeah, yeah. something that the man did horribly yeah, yeah, that yeah. made her like that. Yeah, I wonder like if it's a bit of a cautionary tale to men to not be assholes, but like given that this um story took place in the Edo period and mm. we're still and we're still in the 21st century living through the Me Too movement, right? I really feel like these tales in we the We never learn anything. The, yeah, yeah. These, these tales in the culture have not taught men anything. Yeah, so power to Oiwa la. Yeah, power to, power to Oiwa. <laughs> yeah. Who comes back in some pretty gruesome ways throughout the play. Girl. Like, you know, she sticks her hands through some things. <laughs> Like she comes out of weird corners. <laughs> she really does. She, her hand ev- came up through like rice. Yeah, wow. This <laughs> wow. Yeah. I will say though that like at the end of it, as you know, beautiful and spectacular as it was, I, I walked away feeling a bit cold. Victoria Theatre very cold usually. Yeah, it's it's a climactic coldness, <laughs> but also you know, just kind of like you know, because like what I was hungry for while watching it was like a sense of the contemporary. Right. Like what actually is this experience drawing from the deep past? And what is it drawing out of that into the present moment? Right? right. What does it have to say about, you know, the world we live in? Is it simply that things haven't changed in all these years? Right. Or, you know, so I, I just felt like there wasn't much clarity about so that. So you're looking for that. No, I really it? I just really felt that it was like a work that was quite obsessively theatricalizing this old story and it was concerned primarily with doing a really good job of telling this story yeah. in the most vivid way it could, right? But at the end of it, it just made me think, mm, okay, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost, it's almost the same question I apply to productions of Shakespeare, really. Ah. It's like, what, why do we watch Shakespeare anymore? Yeah. Right? This thing that is rooted in a different time than ours that, you know, we think, we, 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 we justify stagings of Shakespeare by going, oh, okay, the themes are universal, mm. right? And no doubt, right, if you look at Oiwa, for example, like the plight of women in this story and, the the idea greed, of greed. and, and avarice and greed, sure, these are kind of like almost totemic levels of universality, right? Yeah. But I, I don't buy it. I don't buy, you know, universality in these big themes. I'm just like, oh, no. Yeah. Give you me think a, it's a cop-out no, bit, is it? To me, it's just like, we, we are at an age where we can tell stories with deep contemporary granularity. Okay. You know, we can... Show me the granularity. Show me the messy, mm. like... um 
you know, contemporary dramatic wranglings of these people, right? Got, like, it, for me, no, it's just a, if it felt it's like, a fair concern. If I just, if I really polished in the way that I, 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 I could appreciate, I guess. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah, but I better not say so much. Uh, yeah, lah. Yeah, little Oiwa come after me. Correct, lah. I think there's something in the act of telling this story that kind of invokes her. Yeah, it's like if you yeah. say uh, Beetlejuice three times, yeah, you yeah. just bring him up, right? Yeah, because there's a layer of the of the story which is about the telling of her story. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like actually we've all been, you know, like the ring, right? Mm. Uh, once you once you see it, you have to pass it on. If not, you die lah. Uh, or oh, I think if you see, it, you die lah. If right. twenty four hours, so actually you die we la. are now passing it on to you, dear listener. Right? Yeah, la. So we have absolved ourselves of the Oiwa curse. Who has you listen? Ah, uh, who has you listen? <laughs> Too bad. You should just turn us off now. Oh no, actually now you're gonna tell somebody else the <laughs> story. Yeah. <laughs> Kishan, we've come to the very end of our very last nightcap at night. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. Actually, to be honest, are I'm, you relieved? I'm quite glad. I'm quite glad. <laughs> I'm quite glad. I'm glad that this was a three-part yeah, yeah, series yeah. of short. I mean, of we are we are honest podcasters. We tell it like it we is. We tell right? it like it is. This has been this has been a for me. This has been a a, a fun experience. But yeah. if this were a four-parter, I we think we'll take sick leave. Ah, huh? crap. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I cannot, better not go to it. Cannot, 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 cannot. Yeah. yeah. No. Why? Uh? Why? Mm. Okay, because like, if, to be honest, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for this podcast, I don't think I would have gone to the festival. I don't think and I would have gone to the no festival. No tea, no share at the festival whatsoever. I yeah. think, me too, it's a bit of a, a headspace thing at the moment. Exactly and that. And maybe, you know, I feel like if I'd been in a different space, I would have received a lot of these shows in a very different, in different way. Perhaps, yeah. And I guess like, you know, to return to what I was saying about Oiwa, the question of relevance just comes to me. It's like, we're living through an era where everything has been so upended mm. and I'm not sure that I don't know that theatre is the thing that I need to no, see. No, for sure. It's yeah. not just theatre in the in the performing and the putting up that's been compromised. It's my enjoyment of it that's yeah. been compromised. It is the knowledge that you're in a room in a massive theatre with only 20, 30 other people. Yes, and it's, such a, it's such a stark reminder. Like. Yeah, and I, I just feel like there is a lid put on my appreciation of anything. Okay. And like my headspace is really just like curl up in bed and like... Watch, watch something on... Watch on mindless fluff kind of thing. Exactly. And, some, and you know, I just feel like... Okay, so I think the good thing that's come out of this is that I've been challenged to interact with like, you know... With, with shows in a way that I wouldn't have yeah. if it weren't for the exactly show exactly for the podcast yeah. Yeah. and for that I'm very grateful because like, have I been enriched by these shows yes I yes, have yeah, I've been reminded sure. of the rich variety of the work that happens in Singapore mm-hmm. I've been reminded of the incredible artistry of many Singapore theatre artists yeah. of whom I count as you know I, uh, whom I count as my colleagues yeah. and I'm very like proud that this mm. is happening yeah. you know I think we can end off with maybe Joel te- why don't you tell us what was just very quickly, what was one? What was your favorite offering on Tifa? The pre-show testing. <laughs> you love the pre-show testing. Yeah, because uh. like it was like um, confirmation at various points that I am COVID negative. You know what? It's yeah. very good to be reminded of yeah, that. Yeah. I feel you one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know what's my favorite? The Victoria Theatre vending machines. Oh wow! Even though we were told very brusquely by the ushers, ushers that we cannot eat or drink inside the foyer, right? We did have a gander. We did have a gander. And mm. like... The, the offerings are not bad. Leh. The Victoria Theatre snacks vending machine has very a good. very comprehensive selection of snacks. But it only takes $2 notes. So next time you come down, that you make sure you only have $2 notes. It's a minor inconvenience, right? The least you could do is have that pay wave option. I also say. Very rude. Very rude. <laughs> okay, but in all seriousness, do you have something that yeah, was yeah, your yeah. favourite? It, 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 I think it has to be um, Garden Speak for me because of how sacred and holy the thing felt and how it brought you know, you know, like what I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about it was how it actually gave me a space to mourn in in a way for something that 
um, for someone that I don't mm. know, but whose plight, you know, is part of a bigger predicament that weighs at the back of my mind all the time, living through the contemporary moment, mm. right? Like I think we carry around this grief with us wherever we go, even though we are not directly connected to it. Yeah. And you know, COVID's taught us that actually, in a way, we are all enmeshed in these extremely connected, en- en- enmeshed yeah. in these difficult ways. And I've just really valued that space to just literally lie yeah, down for and sure. mourn. And you know, that sounds very self-centered, and you know, I regret that. That's my takeaway from it but I also feel that it was a powerful reminder of the ability for art to not just be product but to kind of be very deeply enmeshed in in, in the world mm. and and this is why I come back to questions of relevance so much right? Yeah. because I think if like if, if we're not all aspiring to make work that kind of like really engages with the world in this messy um like soil under your fingernails kind of way right yeah. even metaphorically like you know why do it? Yeah. What about you? For me, I think it's a it's a tough it's a tough question to answer. Even though I asked that of you, uh, but for me, what I take away from the whole experience was that being a person who's not an artist, you know, I I, I don't I I'm not in the field, right? So what this whole experience allowed me to do was to actually participate in different forms of theater, different forms of art, right? You know, the things that I never thought existed, like the like the odd audio walk tour, ah, the mentalist right. thing, yeah, on route the mentalist, yeah, route, the, yeah. mentalist the, the 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 mentalist opportunity that we got. Mm. Um, yes, of course, even uh, garden speak, and as far as isolation goes, and all these shows, all yeah, these theater shows that we saw, I, I right? I'm constantly, um, I, I'm I'm constantly being introduced to new forms, and these things get me very excited because mm. otherwise, I really wouldn't have had the opportunity to see these things. Right. So uh, there's something that I like about. Almost everything. Right. So I I mean I mean I enjoyed the the experience form, for sure. Form is the magic, isn't it? Huh? Huh? I mm. also say. Right. What about you, dear listener? Mm. Tell us about it in the comments. They don't comments e- they, are, or not? they don't exist. They don't I'm have. Just, just let Sifa know Just la. let Sifa know. You know. Feel I'm sure they'll be excited. Yeah. To find out to hear from you. Yeah. Even if you know this podcast has been the highlight of your festival experience, no, which I, I highly especially d- if this podcast has been the highlight. Which I mean, I think it's rare, lah. Girl, I just highly doubt that. Yeah, but, but if it is, let them know, lah. Mm, do let them know. Maybe we'll get a. a we we'll get another gig. Ah, correct. <laughs> All right, that is our time. Mm. We're gonna finish up these drinks and uh, refresh them in short order. Mm, most it's definitely, been a pleasure talking to you, it dear really listener, has. about the festival. Thank you very much, Sifa, for having us. Yes, thank you. Mm, and we're gonna go um, swim in our mangrove swamp right now. Ah yeah, I didn't bring anything. Eh. <laughs> yeah, we can go skinny dipping in the mangrove. Tiala, show can bite. All right, this has been Joel signing off, and this is Kishan. Bye. Bye. Bye.